This is Higher Ed Heroes with Dr. Sebastian Kemp and Dr. Alistair Stark. Welcome to Higher Ed Heroes. My name is Seb. And my name's Al. This podcast is about transformative moments in the classroom. We believe that these moments, when we bring our classrooms to life, can really be achieved by making small changes that are easy to adopt. And that's the focus of our podcast. Small things communicated in simple ways by great teachers who know that the practices that they have in their classroom actually do something to their students. So the idea is that hopefully you listen to what these great teachers have to say, reflect upon those practices, and maybe find something that you can use in your own classroom. And because we know that you're very busy and time poor, we want to communicate these small lessons in a jargon-free way. That's why we have our teaching jargon buzzer. No. N. O. And we hit it when we hear those buzzwords that might be more at home in a teaching committee or a faculty meeting. As always, Seb, would you like to introduce this week's guest? Yes, absolutely. Thank you, Al. It's a total pleasure to welcome as our guest today, Associate Professor Alison Mandrusiak from the School of Health and Rehabilitation Sciences here at the University of Queensland. And last year, I should emphasize, Ellie had a great year. She not only got promoted, but also won the UQ Award for Teaching Excellence. So I think it's more than appropriate to not only say congratulations, Ali, but also to say welcome to the show. Thank you for the introductions. Ali, you run a physiotherapy course and as students in this course engaged in content matter that's quite outside their everyday comfort zone. Talk us through your course a little. What exactly are you doing and and how is it outside students' comfort zone? Mm, I coordinate the cardiorespiratory physiotherapy courses and this is acute care. So this could be patients with heart or lung conditions, those post-surgery or in intensive care. So when most people think about physio, they think about muscles, joints, athletes, exercise. And that's the same as when my students enrol. Most of them aren't envisaging a career clearing phlegm from a patient's lungs they're mostly thinking about being on the sidelines of a sporting field clearing an athlete to return to the game so I really have this challenge of shifting the mindset and a lot of students come with that baggage of preconceived ideas about the field of cardiorespiratory physio and I actually was one of those students myself when I enrolled um, so I had no intention of pursuing a career in this field You mentioned transformative in the introduction, and that's really my ambitious goal for each group of students as they come into my classroom. It's really around transforming their perceptions and their interest and excitement um, about this otherwise quite daunting field. That's the, the context, working with patients and really those where the role of physio is very important of course but also can be quite a a dangerous or critical care area where we need students to be really safe and competent in their practice. You already hinted at this right there what is required therefore are ways to reassure the students to reduce uncertainty to build their confidence and there are various processes and practices that you have set up that facilitate this and hopefully bring this about in your students. Let's let's look at one example. I think I embrace the power of a positive first impression and I take that opportunity to 
instantly start to shift those preconceived ideas about the area from the very first moment that the student lands on the welcome webpage that I've created bespoke for the course they start to feel a sense of belonging or I call it belonging to their cardiorespiratory topic and to even spark their sense of curiosity about the field where it seems a bit unappealing but actually there's so much wonderment in the heart and the lungs that I just aim to breathe that into the learning about the lungs. But then it's really I think about easing them into that. I mean you don't throw them into a situation where they are even seeing those patients yet you are very careful in building a very staggered approach can you can you talk us yeah. a bit more for that that safe space is really critical to supporting students along their journey to feel comfortable in this area uh, so whilst I aim for graduated exposure to things like the quite confronting aspects of the course which might be various bodily fluids that we need to work with using my expertise and excitement about simulation, which could be a buzzword because there's various meanings for simulation, but in my area that means replicating real clinical practice, but in a safe practice environment. So developing a full simulated hospital that I've um, created here at UQ for students to safely transition and navigate through what it is uh, that this field represents. So what does that actually look like? Um, that could be things like doing some virtual exposure to a, uh, a virtual tour of the simulation space first because some students actually have an aversion to hospitals, full stop. They've had negative experiences in the hospital setting. So safely navigating students through the simulation space um, using virtual online tools, creating simulated bodily fluids. So I've concocted the perfect simulated phlegm recipe. Ooh, that's, <laughs> new. that's a new one for <laughs> us. That one new for the podcast. Yes. Um, as well as blood and urine and vomit and other things that otherwise can be really daunting. So students can safely start to feel more comfortable as they're being exposed to these um, simulated things on their pathway to real clinical practice. I want to take you back a little bit and now ask a, a question about a series of things you've said. You said you meant you created your own website and then you've created your own hospital <laughs> and yet now you're creating bodily fluids. You're actually giving a completely bespoke experience from the word group. What's in your website and then what's in your hospital? Yes, well, the website is a web page that really aims to create that fun sense of interest in the area um, so there's a collection of different uh, myth busting bits and pieces um, a couple of interesting clips or memes and then a short video about the course and about the simulated hospital so it's really just uh, transitioning the mindset of students as they very first land in the course the simulated hospital um, for about the first decade of my role I didn't have this beautiful simulated hospital but no fear, I was able to simulate on a shoestring, I called it, or create pop-ups in, in any area I could convert into a post-surgical ward or an intensive care unit or whatever the um, setting may be. Um, and actually, I think it was those early days of simulating on a shoestring that still underpin my creativity and that real bespoke way of looking at a challenge and finding a solution using low-cost, no-cost ways that ensure the sustainability and scalability of can, the practices. Can I ask a little bit about that creativity? And really, this is what I've been wanting to ask for a while. 
cardio karaoke. Yes. Tell us about cardio karaoke. <laughs> yes, karaoke. Karaoke. Oh, um, <laughs> That's even better. Yes. So this is something um, that I've integrated into the welcome webpage, but. Traditionally, this was an activity that I would do with students in the first lecture, face-to-face, and I would just take students back to what they know about the heart in its most basic form. And most students say, oh, it has to do with love. You know, that's a sort of universal symbolism in a really commercial way. And actually, it then is often the inspiration for a lot of art, music, um, etc. So we just talk through some songs that students can instantly think of that have heart in the title or in in the um, lyrics. So many of those, of course, there's a whole barrage of them. So they either share them with their partner or they pop them onto a Padlet if it's in the virtual space now. If they were brave, we'd share some and actually sing them in the classroom together or I'd threaten that I would. (laughs) So we get some nice, upbeat, fun moments. And then likewise, songs that have breath or lungs, um, typically more so breath or breathing in their title or lyrics. And students then come up with their own playlists and they have them. And it's just a really nice way to make that connection with the basis of what we're working with. What's a popular song? What's the the greatest hit? There are a couple of older ones like Achy Breaky Heart Uh, yeah or I could ask you both have you got one in mind I had Total Eclipse of the Heart (laughs) in my head every breath you (laughs) take (laughs) that's what I was thinking about but can I I mean that's a terrible song because it's a stalker song (laughs) but um, obviously there is something about breaking the ice but I'm sure knowing you there is more behind the cardio karaoke There is. And I think it's that initial connection and sparking curiosity. So it's taking away some of the fear factor that comes otherwise with working with heart conditions, diseases, respiratory pathologies, and actually just looking at the basic level of how amazing the heart and lungs are and using the karaoke just as something that's memorable and engaging and also a bit of fun in what could otherwise be quite a heavy content course. So it's a bit of a hook that then gets students in out of interest to continue through. These are above and beyond teaching methodologies and making your own blood (laughs) (laughs) heart phlegm. That's a I mean it's amazing. You've obviously been inspired, got inspiration from something some experience. Where did it come from? You mentioned beginning on the shoestring Mm. obviously you've developed this over a number of years but what Mm. what brought you here in the first instance to this? I reflect on two pivotal moments. One is my own experience as a student learning this topic and it actually was one of my least favourite areas and when I graduated I was working in this area and my eyes were open to how wonderful it is to work with patients in this um, context. So I then, when I started in my role, It was really my ambition to help breathe that fresh life into learning about the lungs and to put a pulse into learning about the heart, all of those types of things of just having that mind shift so that students could then experience what I had seen the potential for the topic area. So that was one set having been in the student's shoes myself and thinking how I could reflect on the learning experience. The other thing actually came well before that, but it's only now that I think I realised the connection and it was... A little bit left of field, but um, as a child, I was in a medical drama series TV show, just a very small part. And I remember being in so much awe at how the team converted a backlot office building into a hospital and how my character had food poisoning and I had to simulate a vomit. And so I was able to see that simulated vomit, how that was put together, 
basically a bit of juice and some fruit salad and a bit of movie magic. But I just remember that really, in a way, I think now when I look back, was a form of simulation that has then underpinned my how mesmerised I was with being able to create that experience really out of something that wasn't. Um, so I think those two things and then simulating on a shoestring in my early days and then just seeing that then scale up into this full simulation ward that I now have. So you had a degree of wonderment from this experience. Yeah. What was the TV show? It was called Medivac. Wasn't a, it didn't have a long shelf life, I believe. Yeah, but, but it's had an impact. It on, had an impact. On, on so now hundreds of students, <laughs> I guess. This is true. This is true. In that process, when you simulate on a shoestring or in the wonderful simulation hospital with those students, then obviously at the very end, they are going to start practicing as physiotherapists on these particular patients. But in the course towards, on that journey, the simulation obviously requires you to address various issues and challenges that students face, right? What are some of the, the things that come up and what is, what is a good role for an educator to kind of assist along that way? I mentioned earlier the graduated exposure or the scaffolding without trying to use buzzwords. Is that one? Scaffolding. Scaffolding's fine. I'm going to hit it. No! Oh, good. Let's but I actually don't agree with that. I just wanted to hit the buzzer. <laughs> I feel like I want to hit the buzzer too. So <laughs> you do you, hit the buzzer. Do you wanna, <laughs> on you, on you go. Let's go. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh, you got that's a good one. That's a good one. So that's really just being the the guide to support students in a, in this safe way, rather than throwing them into the deep end, as you referred to earlier, Seb. Gradual transition or um, support, and but at the same time, not the whole time holding their hands we know as you said they need to be independent clinicians when they graduate so there is that point where we foster them and surround them with this safe space and whilst that safety continues the the safety net if I could use it that way starts to become less obvious so that students are becoming that fully fledged practicing physio so I think it's around identifying some of the key pressure points and some of that has been literally the comfort with things like the bodily fluids that I spoke about so being able to help students to become comfortable in that space what I include is some messy moments into the simulation otherwise it can be too clean cut whereby it's very safe and everything is sort of predictable and it's more becomes about the students technical skills can they do this on with the patient Throwing in a few messy moments like some other members of the medical team enter and interrupt the physio session or the patient maybe faints unexpectedly during the walk. Those things that students need to develop that responsiveness and adaptability. Um, But only, of course, once we have that foundation of comfort and confidence and competence. If there was a young lecturer out there starting in this space, whether it's in a teaching space where there is this discomfort and need to really embrace it or just generally is there one transferable skill moment attitude what would you say to to that Mm. listener that's thinking right I want to I want to get my teaching award in Mm. a few years time What, what would be your message to them I'd say to that listener there's a sense of wonderment in even one part of the topic that you're transferring or talking um about to really explore that um, and maybe a couple of examples that I haven't yet touched on in this is using simple everyday props to bring to life 
the learning. I'll write a teaser at the start of the week and it will be to students something about what does a tube of toothpaste have to do with clearing phlegm from a patient's lung? And it's actually the students then will go on to discover that we use a tube of toothpaste as a visual analogy to help students visualise what's happening within the lungs, otherwise it's quite invisible, the heart and lungs internally. So using things like the tube of toothpaste for pressure points in the lungs or a slinky spring to demonstrate lung compliance, bubble wrap, balloons, a tomato sauce bottle to look at the effect of gravity on phlegm, these things that students can relate to those actual tangible things that they often have around the home. And that can what then does the bubble wrap do? What's the bubble wrap one? <laughs> so, what is that link to? Yeah, so the bubble wrap, I use two different sizes of bubble wrap to show the effects of different lung pathologies on the surface area in the lung. So the small bubble wrap and then there's the larger bubble wrap that is a bit floppy and represents maybe emphysema or another lung condition. And instantly students have the aha moment and it these are often the things that they write to me years later and they say a tube of toothpaste I'll always remember equal pressure points or the bubble wrap helped me so much so um, so I think coming back to that listener it's these are not expensive things these are quite simple just tweak just yeah just tweaking the way that something is looked at to see if there's a way just to bring that bit of learning to life and then to buoy the student through as they develop that sense of wonderment as well. We call this the Hire at Heroes podcast. And sometimes people say like, well, uh, do I have to be a hero to be on the podcast? And Elle and I are always trying to explain why we called it that way. And that namely is that we associate being a hero, not with someone people are supposed to admire, but with someone who has taken a bit of courage to try something different and has exposed themselves in front of a huge lecture theater or a small class to, f to potential failure. And so having someone as wonderful as you on the show here, Ali, I would like to ask, like, what, what would be maybe a good takeaway message when people listen and think like, wow, she's got her own simulation hospital. I'm just a little, little small teaching mouse in a lectureship position. What perhaps in the, in the context of having courage, allow, taking a bit of risk, allowing for failure, but then to help improve, is there a message that you might have for them? I feel that I was that little mouse in the little lecture theatre um, and it was really being brave and looking at can I create using no-cost, low-cost things, transform a classroom into a surgical ward. By being courageous, I learnt from the failures and I was able to then continue on to create new and better things. Um, certainly being open, sharing ideas and I think just having that bit of inspiration, even then when sometimes it does flatten a little, just to keep that inspo around um, new ways of looking at things. I'm inspired. I am. I mean, it's it's amazing. Like the amount of, you know, beyond the risk taking, just the amount of effort to do all that. You know, we're so busy and so measured, and higher education so busy just. To, to be building websites, building hospitals, <laughs> making fluids. It's, it's, it's uh, extraordinary. It is, but I think for me, amongst many other lessons, it's like it starts somewhere and it starts somewhere small. And I think that's one of the things I certainly will take away from this. So if you heard anything that you liked and you'd like to engage further, of course, you can get in touch with us. You can get in touch with Ali and you can also find us on Twitter and on Facebook. Thanks for joining us in High Red Heroes and we look forward to your company again. Mm -hmm.